Good morning. Today's reading is from Psalm chapter 64. Hear my voice, O God, in my complaint. Preserve my life from dread of the enemy. Hide me from the secret plots of the wicked, from the throng of evildoers, who wet their tongues like swords, who aim bitter words like arrows, shooting from ambush at the blameless, shooting at him suddenly and without fear. They hold fast to their evil purpose. They talk of lying snares secretly, thinking, who can see them? They search out injustice, saying, we have accomplished a diligent search. For the inward mind and heart of a man are deep. But God shoots his arrow at them. They are wounded suddenly. They are brought to ruin with their own tongues turned against them. All who see them will wag their heads. Then all mankind fears. They tell what God has brought about and ponder what he has done. Let the righteous one rejoice in the Lord and take refuge in him. Let all the upright in heart exalt. This is God's word. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God endures forever. Amen. So kids, how was your first week back at school after the holiday? Murmuring. All right, for the rest of us, how was your first week at work back after the holidays? Uh, Some more grumbling. (laughs) My my first week of the new year uh, was was full already, like really full, first week of the new year. Uh, You know something, though? One aspect of holiday breaks that I enjoyed growing up uh, was not only the distance from classwork and teachers and homework, I enjoyed the distance from bullies. I enjoyed a break from enemies in school that I had to worry about every day. Um, I don't know if you've ever been, I jokingly say to people, if you went to public middle school and you had a great time and no problems, you were probably a jerk. And I almost, I'm almost, I'm kind of only half joking about that. Now, now listen, so I went to public school and there were lots of bullies there. But here's the thing, before I went to public school, I went to a private Christian school run out of a large church and guess what? There were bullies there also. Now maybe you're homeschooled and maybe, maybe the bully is in your neighborhood or on your street. Maybe, it's, maybe the bully's in your own house. Uh, and, and so the thing I appreciated the most about breaks was no bullies. Um, and if you feel that way, I want to tell you something, that the writers of the Psalms could totally relate to you. Listen to this one, and, and you just heard Ayla read it from Psalm 64. Because uh, we're in between series right now, and so when I'm not ready to preach a new series, we just go to the Psalms. And you heard a Psalm from Deacon Bob last week, so we'll just do another Psalm this week. Listen to this. See how the Psalm writers could relate to you if you're worried about enemies. Hear my voice, O God, in my complaint. Preserve my life from dread of the enemy. Hide me from the secret plots of the wicked, from the throng of evildoers. You see that? He's afraid of his enemies. He is dreading their plans to come at him. You know what that feels like? I can remember feeling this way on the school bus 
in the halls at school or in the locker room before soccer practice or, or before gym class, right? What, what are my enemies plotting? Where are they? What are they planning to do? Am I their next target, right? Have they gone through the circuit and I'm the next one in the queue for them? What are they going to do? Where are they? And when is it going to happen? And how is it going to happen? I don't know if you ever felt that way in, in an environment, in an education environment or in a work environment. You are aware that people are against you and you don't know when the next attack or comment or maneuver is going to take place. Well, the Bible's God, I want to encourage you, the Bible's God gets angry at the way people treat you. He takes it personally because he cares about you. He takes you personally, and he gets angry when people treat you that way. And what I hope you're going to see in Psalm 64 is that just thinking about how God's justice undermines evil actually leads us to appreciate him more. Not get more angry and try to play God ourselves. No, thinking about how God's justice undermines evil actually helps us to get less angry, to stop trying to play a sovereign God ourselves, and to appreciate him more. That may sound difficult to believe and to practice, but we're going to talk about it today. We're going to talk about a believer's prayer, a believer in this God of the Bible, a believer's prayers. And we're going to talk about a believer's pondering of this God in her prayers or in his prayers. And we're also going to talk about how a believer can praise a just God. And we're going to just look at that and see how David in this psalm goes through that process. A believer's prayer, a believer's pondering on God's justice, and a believer praising this just God for who he is and what he will do. You ready? Okay, so a believer's prayer to a just God, you see it in Psalm 64, but it starts as a complaint. But it doesn't end as a complaint. And so the psalmist here sings about the plots of the wicked. Take a look at this. Look at verses 5 and 6. Talking about the wicked, he says, they hold fast to their evil purposes. And then he says, they search out injustice, saying, we have accomplished a diligent search. You see that? And you know this is true, that bullies and tyrants and schemers, they work really hard at undermining people. Like, they're really good at it. They take pride in what they do. And they study and they plan and they practice. We joke when we watch Ocean's 11 and Ocean's 12 and Ocean's 13, but think about it. The best criminals, the best tyrants, and the best, the best con artists, they study they plan, they practice, and then they get you. Have you ever been hacked? Have you ever suffered identity theft or credit card death? Uh, death. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> credit card death. My words aren't coming out right. Credit card theft. Right? Many of us in the room have experienced something like that. When, when somebody steals your identity and they act like you online and they purchase like you online and you discover it and how you feel completely vulnerable, taken advantage of. And, and what happens when, 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 that, when somebody hacks into your life and, and somebody 
they, they, they mimic you and they act like you to make purchases and say things and do things in your name but not with your permission, you feel completely scandalized, right? And it gets in your head, right? It, it gets in your head. It gets to you. And look at how he's praying. What does he ask for in verse 1? He asks for help from what? The dread of the enemy. He's not just afraid of the enemy. He's afraid of being afraid of the enemy. You see that? Spare me from dread of the enemy. But then he sings about something else. He sings about God's response to the wicked and their actions and their their schemes and their plots. He says in verse 7, but God shoots his arrow at them. They are wounded suddenly. You see that? God fights back. That's what he says in his fear of the enemies. He says, God's going to fight back. Notice he doesn't say the believer fights back. He says, God fights back. God's going to fight for me. And he tells us, and he thinks about this, that God uses the wicked's own plots against them. In this twist of irony, he uses their own weapons against them. them. So they have plots, and God has this super plot the psalmist believes. And I'm going to combine verses 3 and verse 8 to say this, that those who in their wickedness aim bitter words like arrows at other vulnerable people have their own tongues turned against them. You see that? And so that dynamic is, well, for instance, if you look at the book of Job in the Old Testament, this dynamic of irony where the wicked find that their own plans have turned against them, Uh, You see that dynamic played out dramatically in the book of Job. And Job, as as some of you know, suffered terribly. Satan's plan was to humiliate God by persecuting Job. But as you read the book, you discover the situation that God's super plan was to glorify himself by honoring Job through that suffering. Tim Keller, in his preaching on the book of Job a couple of decades ago, says that uh, God gives Satan just enough rope to hang himself. And that's really what you see the psalmist talking about in Psalm 64. He not only sings about the plots of the wicked and then sings about God's response to the wicked, he finally sings about people's reaction to seeing the downfall of the wicked. So listen to verse 9. Then all mankind fears. This is the result. All mankind fears. They tell what God has brought about and ponder what he has done. And when he uses the word ponder, he used an ancient Hebrew word that means to be circumspect about something, to think about it critically. In the King James Version of of your English Bibles, it says, wisely consider. Mankind looks at the, the outcome of the wicked and their plots, and they consider carefully who God is and what he's done. People take stock of the ruin of bullies and abusers and tyrants. They do pay attention to it. And whether, whether that justice comes from a bigger bully, you know, a bigger fish, or whether that justice comes from the school principal or the police or another nation, a stronger nation, a greater nation, a more terrible nation. Justice comes. But here's the thing. People of faith attribute that justice to God's providence. Have you heard that word before? The Westminster Divines, Westminster, England, 
in their shorter catechism in the 1600s, defined God's providence as this, his most holy, wise, and powerful, preserving and governing all his creatures and all their actions. Now, if you don't believe in this God, think about it. You have nobody to attribute justice to. Who are you going to attribute justice to? Humanity? You know what humanity is capable of. You really want to attribute long-lasting, fulfilling, lasting justice to humanity? Sometimes you may attribute it to yourself. That seems a bit egotistical, don't you think? Maybe you treat, maybe, maybe you attribute justice, as so many people do today in our society, to the universe, right? We thank the universe for what we've hunted or what we've earned, the paychecks we've made, and we want to be thankful to somebody, and so we just thank the universe. But that just seems like a cop-out, doesn't it? Or maybe, maybe you attribute justice in the world to chance, but that's not justice, is it? That's coincidence. If you attribute justice to chance, it's just coincidence that goes well for you, that, that rolls out into your favor, or the favor of somebody else, or, or the favor of those who are oppressed. So what began as a prayer of complaint through a prayer of faith turns into praise. People of faith have somebody to thank and praise for justice in the world. What began as a complaint turns out to be a prayer of praise. Look at how it ends in verse 10. Let the righteous one rejoice in the Lord and take refuge in him. This is a person who's scared about his enemies. Now, how do we get from complaining to praising? What does that look like? How did David in the psalm get from a complaint to praise? How did he get there? How do you get there? A believer's pondering thinking about, reflecting on a just God is critical. Pondering on a just God is critical when you are facing threats. The psalmist is thinking about how God works. And, and, and this is what I like to focus on every summer when we look at the psalms. This is a major emphasis of the psalms. They teach us how to meditate, how to reflect on God and what he means. And that's what the psalmist is doing when he's saying that, that the people in the world, when they see the downfall of the wicked, they ponder who God is and what he has done. We ponder how God works and what it means when we think about his justice, when we feel threatened. Look at verse 8, uh, again, where, where it says that the wicked, uh, uh, their own tongues are turned against them, and then everybody else sees it, and they wag their heads at the wicked. That's what we call poetic justice, right? And, and if you look at the Old Testament, you look at David's cultural setting, here are just a couple of examples of poetic justice in his own life. You remember when, when he defeated Goliath? He beheaded Goliath with Goliath's own sword. That's poetic justice. Or, or think about Esther, the book and story of Esther, and how the wicked racist Haman was hung on his own gallows that he had prepared, prepared for the innocent man Mordecai. That was poetic justice. Think of Epiphany, 
which was yesterday. Now we think of the Magi, how the Magi not only went to visit Jesus, but how they double-crossed Herod the Great, which gave the Holy Family time to escape into Egypt. Pondering about these plot turns of God's justice is critical when we all feel threatened. So here's a practical takeaway. When you feel threatened, focus less on yourself and focus more on God. Focus less on yourself and what your needs are and focus more on a just God. Now, I know this doesn't sound very simple and it's more complicated than how I'm making it sound. For instance, Jesus said, love your enemies. The people you're worried about, love them. And pray for those who persecute you. His most important public address. That was at the heart of it. Right? You, he said, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Right? You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. It's really hard to do that when you feel like you're afraid of people. But the opposite is not true. Pray for their destruction and downfall. You don't have to do that directly. Uh, but li listen to this. How do, you, how do you save yourself from hating the people who are hurting you? How do you do that? Again, the famous Sermon on the Mount. We are called, we are called by Jesus to say, to pray this way to God. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are even commanded by Jesus to say, deliver us from evil. And so this is a balance that we can live through by faith where, where we can truly seek for justice in the world and justice in our own lives without resorting to the hatred of our own enemies that leads us to just eat ourselves up inside. The same Jesus who said, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Also said, pray for God's will to be done on earth and ask that you will be delivered from evil. We can pray for God's justice to prevail in our lives and in the world. And here's the thing. By leaving the justice and deliverance to him, now we can stop playing God and now we can focus on loving our neighbors and praying for them and forgiving them. That's how we don't give ourselves over to hatred and revenge, we leave the justice and deliverance to God. And now we, we have the, um, the mental space, the emotional space, to say, God's going to work this out. I'm going to forgive them. And as Martin Luther said, I'm going to pray that they will change and that God will reach them. And if he doesn't reach them, if they don't listen to him, I'm going to pray that their plans come to nothing. That's a good approach in your prayer life. But you've got to ponder on the fact that God is just even if you cannot bring about justice for yourself or for other people. So pondering on a just God is critical when you're facing threats. Unbelief is a big word. And I know if you believe in this God and you follow him, you don't think of yourself as an unbeliever. Yet, unbelief comes in so many different forms, folks, right? Unbelief, uh, unbelief uh, is pondering the wrong things. Unbelief is spending way too much time thinking about things that you cannot control. 
Pondering on the wrong things is obsessing about the people that are out to get you or have hurt you. When we ponder what people can do to us, when we ponder what we can do back to them, the two unfortunate things happen. First of all, and this may be obvious, uh, but we sin against God by not trusting him, not trusting him to protect us, not trusting him to do what is best in his timing, not trusting him to be what Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Here's the second thing that happens. We hurt ourselves. When we... we when we ponder more what people can do to us and what we want to do back to them, we hurt ourselves as our anxiety becomes worse. We make things worse by stimulating our own anxiety. Jesus again said, which one of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? You see, anxiety, and now today in the 21st century, we know biologically and medically and psychologically that anxiety just makes health worse, doesn't it? Makes our lives even worse. All the perfect comebacks that I gave to the bullies in my daydreaming Right? All the instances of poetic justice that you have pondered for those who have hurt you, it's all a rejection of God's perfect justice. And it is a stimulus for your own anxiety to increase and eat you alive. But a believer's prayer and pondering and praise of a just God is the outcome of true faith. True faith gets you from complaining about your enemies to God to pondering how God works in an unjust world. And this will, no doubt, even in a difficult situation where you know you've been wrong and treated unfairly, it will lead you to praise. See, faith redirects your pondering to someone who's actually worthy of being called just. Faith takes your eyes off of yourself and how you're suffering and being mistreated and puts your eyes on a God who's actually just. That's the process you see David going through in this psalm as he's praying and singing to God. And so this is his conclusion in verse 10. Again, let the righteous one rejoice in the Lord and take refuge in him. Notice he's, he's by no means out of danger. He is still in the thick of danger. But see, he's pondering God's ways, and that causes him to praise. That leads him to worship. This is why we worship. This is why we sing songs as a worshiping community of faith. Because even though we are feeling threatened by life and by physical death and by people who are out to get us, God is a just God. And we have thought about his ways, and we have thought about how he works, and it has led us to praise him because we know that he's worthy of that praise because he alone is truly just. You're not out of danger. You're not out of danger. The circumstances haven't changed. Your perspective has changed. The psalm shows you a change of perspective that leads to praise. It's not just when things are going great that we decide to praise God. It's a change of perspective that allows us to praise him in the midst of our enemies, 
in those who would do us harm. And so we can say together with David, let all the upright in heart exult. If you're looking for someone to trust, if you're looking for someone to thank and to admire and to worship for his justice, you don't have to look any further than Jesus Christ. You can ponder, as the psalm says, you can ponder what he has done. Think about the gospel, what we call the good news. Satan's plot was to crucify Jesus, God's son, to humiliate God before the entire universe, and to own you forever. God's superplot was to glorify his son through his suffering and to win you back forever. That's the irony. This is the beautiful thing about the universe. At the heart of the universe, at the heart of the way things work, is a plot twist, is great irony, is the humor of our creator who says, as it's already been mentioned and quoted, I'm going to give Satan just enough rope to hang himself. You think I've got him on a long leash when you look at the newspapers, when you look at how people have hurt you in your life. You think I've let Satan off his leash. It's just long enough to accomplish exactly what I want for you. But we have to believe that he is just. Pondering this brings people to a saving knowledge of God. That's how we come to a relationship with our creator. That's how he brings us into his family and completely erases our sin. We come to ponder what Jesus has done, despite all odds. We come to appreciate and trust in God's superplot over all the apparent injustices of our sin and our enemies and God's enemies. See, just thinking about, and I hope you will discover this if you haven't yet, just thinking about all of this, just thinking about God's justice and how he undermines evil in his justice, it allows us to appreciate him more. Taste and see that the Lord is good, another psalm says. Ponder that his goodness is manifest through justice, his justice. Or as Paul said, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That's the plot twist. And the more we ponder it, the more we begin to appreciate this God. And I promise you, it will lead to worship, to praise. So listen, you are by no means, I am not selling you false information here. I'm not trying to scheme you. You are by no means out of danger. Uh, you're going to be in danger for the rest of your earthly life right now. We've just got to get used to it. We are by no means out of danger. We still have to go to school. We still have to get on the bus. We still have to go to work. We still have to go to that family dinner next Christmas, wherever those scary people are in your life. We got to face the danger. 
But pondering God's salvation brings a greater perspective that causes us to praise. Focus less on yourself when you feel threatened. Focus more on a just God. Let's pray to him now. And let's conclude with a song of praise that helps us ponder how God's super plot turned out to make a fool of Satan and save us from sin. Let's pray. Our Father, you have led us through so much. You have dragged us through so much suffering. But you have brought us to good places. Indeed, we have a beautiful inheritance. The lines have fallen for us in pleasant places. Father, we are in danger, but help us to not give in to fear. We have been mistreated, and and in ways we have mistreated others. May we trust in your justice to right the wrongs done against us, and may we trust in your justice committed upon Christ so that the wrongs we have done are no longer held against us. Thank you, Lord, that you took the arrows that were pointed at us, and you pointed them at your Son. Thank you that he was crushed for our iniquities. He was bruised for our transgressions. And the punishment that was upon us was put upon him. Lord Jesus, when we ponder this, we are amazed by your grace. Amen.